Hello, everyone. Welcome back to our Bible study on the book of Revelation. We're glad you could join us again as we continue to dig into this book. And it is sometimes challenging, sometimes uh, simple, and sometimes more challenging than it should be. We make it a little more challenging because we're looking for things like secrets and secret code and symbols. And there's a lot of symbols and, and things like that in it, but it's not some mystical secret code. It, it's the way that first century people talk, particularly first century Jews. It builds on the work that was done by Daniel and Isaiah and Jeremiah and Zechariah, Ezekiel. Um, if you know your Old Testament, Revelation's a lot easier. Uh, we're talking about worship. We're talking about direction. We're talking about where we put our faith. Is it in um, kings and presidents and countries, or is it going to be in the Lord? So we're in chapter 5 today, and we've just been ushered into the throne room of heaven. We have had the doors open to see things that human beings do not get to see. They're not allowed to see. And we're getting a glimpse at it. John is getting to see it. He's telling us about it. We're being allowed to peek behind the curtain in a way that, that no one has done before and that we haven't, haven't had the chance to do except through these words. So when we come to chapter 5, we're still there in that throne room scene. We're seeing the four living creatures, the 24 elders, all singing praises and, and shouting praises to God on the throne. And now we have some more of this. <laughs> we have some more of these things that are a little strange and we need to understand what they meant in the context to who it was being written to and what it tells us today about who God is. Chapter 5, then, let's begin. I saw in the right hand of him who sat on the throne, that's God, a book written inside and on the back, sealed up with seven seals. And I saw it now, seven, uh, I'm just going to say it right now, you saw it last time, you'll see it here on. Um, it's an important number in in their culture. It signified completion or perfection or an absolute. And so seven is going to come up a lot. You'll see it. And that, and it, it just is meant to signify the completeness of something, the perfection of something. Okay. So seven seals, uh, the, the seven scrolls sealed with seven seals. And I saw a strong angel proclaiming with a loud voice, who is worthy to open the book and to break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the book or to look into it. These are the stories of what will happen, these seven scrolls. This is the fate of the church. Written on these scrolls is the answer to the question, are we going to make it? What does the future hold? What becomes of the Christians in the future? We don't know the answer. We don't have uh, a way to, to access that information. It's written on these scrolls and it's sealed. And the question is, who's going to be able to look into the future and declare what will happen to us? Who is going to be able to reach out and touch the time that is to come? Who is worthy? Who is powerful enough to do this? That's the question being asked. And there is no one. No one comes forward. No one is worthy to take these scrolls, to break these seals, and to know what will happen. And John weeps 
at this fact. John sheds tears over this. Someone, someone tell us, are we going to be okay? That's what he's asking for with his tears. I mean, you think what they've lived through, uh, Tiberius and Caligula and Nero, and uh, now Dalmatia's coming, and, and um, it's going to be bad. It's already been bad. They want to know if they're going to survive. They want to know if they're going to thrive, if they're going to carry forth for generations to come, and no one is worthy to know that information. And so John weeps. He cries. It says they began to weep greatly in verse 4, because no one was found worthy to open the book or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, Stop weeping. Behold, the lion that is from the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has overcome so as to open the book and its seven seals. Wow. What is this we're, we're talking about? A lion. Have you seen a lion, by the way, in real life up close? Huge, muscular, incredibly powerful looking beasts. So we've got a lion coming. He says, behold, that means look, the lion of Judah. The lion is worthy. And here comes the lion, right, to open the scrolls. And then verse 6, And I saw between the throne with the four living creatures and the elders a lamb standing. Wait a minute. Hold on. Back up. Um, I always, I, I kind of encourage you read through this um, and read it quickly and don't get hung up on things and then read it again. And each time you read it, find those new things it's okay to kind of hit the brakes here because what just happened? John is weeping because no one is worthy to open the scrolls. He's looking for someone. They're all looking for someone and he weeps because there's no one worthy. One of the elders, presumably of the 24, that represent the apostles and the tribes, says, don't, don't cry. Behold, look, the Lion of Judah. He's going to fix everything. And then John looks up expecting to see a lion and sees a lamb. Not just any lamb either. This is a lamb that looks like it's been pretty roughed up. How is it described? He says, I saw between the throne, the four living creatures, and the elders, a lamb standing as if slain. Standing as if slain. It looks like it's been led to the slaughter and been killed, yet somehow is standing there having seven horns and seven eyes. Now, let's stop for a minute because we need to pump the brakes on the lamb thing. When we expect to see the power, right, and the, and the majesty and the might, um, when Jesus came to earth, by the way, this is Jesus, if you haven't figured that out, okay? The Lion of Judah, the Root of David, the, the Lamb, it's Jesus. Um, Jesus... When he came to this world, he came uh, born to a woman who her town thought ha ha was was of loose morals because she was unwed, okay? An unwed, very early teen mother uh, in a place that no one knew about. I mean, no one had ever heard of this little town. That's how God chose to enter the world, Okay. God chose to enter the world in that way, not the way we would have done it. Um, he often defies expectations when it comes to 
what he's bringing forth. And when, when you know, God's coming into the world, he's going to set everything right. He's going to fix all this. He's going to get rid of sin. And there's almost this sense of, all right, here you go. Now, now Satan, you're going to get it. Now, world, you're going to get it. Uh, but he comes saying, peace on earth and goodwill to men. Don't be afraid. Uh, Jesus enters the picture very differently than we anticipate. And here he enters the picture very differently than we anticipate. We're looking for power and might, and yet here is a slain lamb. Now he's described as having seven horns and seven eyes. Okay, seven again, the number of completion and perfection. In this case, it says, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth? We talked about that last time. They're, they're mentioned in Isaiah. Um what we think would is a close approximation to the seven spirits. But look at what these seven horns and eyes that, that this this lamb has. That's not a lamb that I've seen, right? Um, horns and eyes, they, they do mean something. Uh, things with horns were typically referred to as having power. Okay, so horns would have been power. Eyes are the possession of wisdom and knowledge. By the way, two different things. Uh, knowledge is is having fact, knowing fact, and wisdom is knowing what to do with it. So um, the horns and the eyes stand in for the power and the wisdom and knowledge that Jesus possesses. Uh, and, and they're the seven spirits of God. So he has all the power, all the wisdom, all the knowledge, right? And he came and he took the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne Amazing, right? Here is this lamb that looks like it's been killed, but is standing. It's got seven eyes. It's got seven horns. It's got all the power, all the wisdom. And, and, and the, the seven, the number seven, is meant to signify the seven spirits of God and the completion of the spirit that God has sent into this world to his people. Now, the call goes out from this big, mighty, strong, powerful angel. Who's worthy to take these, these scrolls? No one can respond because no one is. And here comes this beat up, slain, but standing lamb. And that lamb is worthy to take the scrolls. That lamb is worthy to know what happens. That lamb is worthy because of what that lamb has been through. So the lamb comes forward, verse 7, and takes the book out of the right hand of him who sat on the throne. When he had taken the book, the four living creatures and the 24 elders fell down before the lamb, each one holding a harp and golden bowls full of incense. These two particular items do not have a lot of, uh, where there's not a lot of strength in our understanding of what they might have signified, uh, what that might have been used in reference to in the time. And so, wonderfully, uh, it's actually explained in the text. It says, these are the prayers of the saints. Oh, man. You know, it's an interesting thing, reality, because um, our perception of what reality is is a very, very small amount of what actually exists in the universe. I mean, just scientifically. Um, matter, atoms, they're made up of mostly space. The, the actual solid matter that exists in the universe is, is quite small in terms of percentage, but it's what we see. There's a lot we don't see, a lot going on that we don't understand. And these things, this praise and this scene, it's actually happening right now. It's happening right now, and it's going to be a glorious thing to see when we get to join. But 
the prayers in that realm, in that realm that we don't see that is so fantastic that it's hard for us to grasp, in that realm right now, they are holding your prayer in their hand in golden bowls of incense. This produced the aroma. We see praise and an offering to God being signified as an aroma very often in scripture. And so it it's aromatic. It rises to his nostrils and he finds pleasure in it. So they hold our prayers, the prayers of the saints. Did you know God listens to you? You matter to him. God works with us. He, he could do a lot of things just on his own, but he calls us to join with him, to participate with him in, in the work in this world. Uh, and our prayer matters. He wants you to talk to him. Um, and then they sang a new song. A new song saying, Worthy are you to take the book, to break its seals. For you were slain and purchased for God with your blood men from every tribe and tongue and people and nation. What a beautiful, beautiful example of how God sees the world. Different tribes, different nations, different languages. But he intends to save them all. God intends to save as many people, probably more than we realize. And this is a statement to that fact. Verse 10, you have made them to be a kingdom and priests to our God, and they will reign upon the earth. So we're, they're, they're praising this lamb as the one who has purchased the souls of man for God, as the one who has made a kingdom and assigned priests uh, to serve God. Verse 11, then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne and the living creatures and the elders and the number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Don't worry about the numbers here, okay? Some cultures do not possess actual you know, numbers. Uh, we can go up to millions and billions and trillions and quadrillions, but uh, there are some cultures that just don't have numbers that high. And that would have been true of the Jews in the first century. Their numbers didn't go that high. A thousand was about all they could conceive. And so when it got to thousands, they just kept adding thousands on thousands. So don't worry about counting the numbers. Um, so he heard the voice of the many angels of, of, around the throne, the living creatures, the elders, and the number of them was myriads and myriads and thousands of thousands. It was a lot. The voices that, they, that was, were heard was greater than what was visible present because we had four living creatures and 24 people, uh, elders. So the voices though were myriad, a loud voice, loud praise. Worthy is the lamb that was slain to receive power and riches and wisdom and might and honor and glory and blessing. Okay, just a minute. Let's see. We have power, riches, wisdom, might, honor, glory, and blessing. What do you know? Seven again. So worthy is the lamb to receive these things. And every created thing, verse 13, which uh, is in heaven and on earth and under the earth and on the sea, uh, all things in them I heard saying. So he heard everything. He heard all of creation. He heard the whole of creation rise up in song, rise up in praise. And it said to him who sits on the throne, that's God, and to the lamb, Jesus, be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. Amen, by the way, that just means so be it. 
or it means let it be agreed upon. In many cultures, when they say amen, they clap their hands. That's that. In fact, that's where things like applause come from. We are offering our approval. We're offering agreement. We're consenting. Uh, the gavel that's banged by a judge comes from that. It is so ordered. Amen. So be it. Um, and they are shouting amen. Amen. So be it. So be it. And the elders fell down and worshipped. As this fantastic and hard-to-grasp scene is unfolding in heaven, and we are being told about it by John, what we see is an amazing place of praise and worship of God. And then in chapter 5, which we've just read, oh my goodness, Jesus shows up. The Lamb shows up. And everything changes. Everything changes. We go from weeping to rejoicing. We go from not knowing what the future holds to having, to having a sense of surety in that Christ is there with God on the throne. Sometimes we think if we can just elect the right people, if we can just put the right people in charge, if we can just make the right decisions, if we can just restore our nation to a faithful Christian nation that, uh, that we win. That we win. No. God says, or, or John writes here, the scene he sees that was given to him by God. No, that's not going to do it. There's no one that's going to save you except the Lamb. And when he enters the picture, the scene changes. There is praise, there is bowing, there is shouts in loud voices of praise. Every creature, every part of creation and we say, amen. So be it. We're going to get into chapter 6 next time. Thank you for joining us. We'll see you then.